the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All of what things? All the things that we think we need and the things that we think we want and situations that need to be changed because they just don't sit right with us and you know there's if we let ourselves I know that we act like that we're content and we're happy about there's some things that just we have prayed for and asked God you know and we've brought them to the altar and we've done it over and over again but he's giving us a directive here God can see through and read through and he knows what we need before we ask and he created us. He knows what makes us tick and he just jumps right, he just goes straight to the point. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Of course, immediately my mind goes to Paul's definition. What is, when he asked the question, what is the kingdom of God? He said, it's not meat and drink, but it's peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that's why we keep preaching, come to the altar and get prayed through. Come to the altar and leave a bunch of stuff here if it's in your way and it's bothering you and weighting you down. Amen. And get things out of the way and seek the power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Get filled up again. That's the first thing you do. And then he promises us here in this same scripture that all these things that we need and think we need and want and desire. He said, they'll come if you just seek God first. Hallelujah. Just seek God first. Hallelujah. Amen. Sister uh, Sister Denise, I'll say this where some of you may can be thinking about it. Always think about others when we when we do a baptismal service sister Denise has been baptized before but last week she was telling me that she really didn't understand what was happening and what was going on when she was baptized and so I said let's just let's just baptize you again since she's she's got some revelation let me get I want you to don't not get me wrong here uh, I, I don't think it requires another baptize I don't think God's requiring that y'all so don't go out of here and say, man, Pastor Curry believes you got to be baptized. Because No, I don't, I don't believe, I don't even believe half of those people on the day of Pentecost understood uh, or had a clear revelation. They just was just in obedience. That's, that's what happened to me. So, so I'm not preaching you have to understand the Godhead and all the, what baptism signifies. I'm not saying that at all. But at the same time, if somebody says, man, I just, I just missed it. It just kind of went over my head. And, and so what would you do? Let me just, let's just take you right back in that water. Oh, let me say this right here. You know what? If you ask almost anybody up and down the road, especially if you've mentioned Jesus' name, baptism, how were you baptized? Oh, I was baptized in Jesus' name. About, about 95% of them have no idea. And they probably, you know, said it in the, in the name of the titles. If there's any, I'm saying that to, to get this across. If there's anybody in this room has any doubt of what was spoken over you, when you were baptized, if you're not absolutely sure, it's not something you're going to play with here, all right? All right? If you're not absolutely sure, then we'll get you a robe at the end of service, and you can just line up right behind Sister Denise. We'll put you in the water. I'm going to be the one calling the name, so I know what's going to be said. 
We're going to put you down in that watery grave. And we'll speak the most powerful name in the universe over you. It will wash away every sin. Hallelujah. So just be thinking about it. Just be thinking about it. Amen. And we can give you like a Bible full of scriptures and reason. He didn't ask, ask us if we wanted to. He just commanded it. Amen. So get ready and we'll get an usher or hostess help you get the right. And by the way, the, the water's nice and warm. <laughs> and so nobody's going getting stammering lips because the water's so cold. You know, just get in there, and if it happens, it'll be the Spirit. Praise God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I want to preach to you about worship, and there's a worship spirit presence in here. Amen. Smile at somebody just before you be seated. Amen. Tell them to get ready. God's going to talk to them some more. Hallelujah. Got to smile now. I saw some of y'all didn't smile. Stand back up and start over. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. This was Jesus speaking here. Uh, and by the time he, Jesus had got on the scene here, Israel was so well entrenched in their religious traditions and their rights. And y'all, I'm, I'm going to go straight for the jugger here, all right? So I'm, it won't take long to build up. So as y'all listen closely, I know that while I, sometimes while I'm reading and getting started here, my text and all, I can see people just getting squared away. And no, Hey, everybody's going to be all right, all right? Amen. There was a lot of traditions in the, in the Jewish religion and in the faith, all right, whose prophets had spoken about the Messiah coming and liberating them and taking the sins of the world away. But, but in that traditional time, amen, they got in these rites and rituals and traditions and, and Jesus got there right in the middle of all of that. And of course, Jesus began to take the main focus off of these things, off of Jerusalem and the temple and the rites. He put the focus on God himself. Now remember, I'm talking about worship here a little bit today, all right? Amen. So Jesus wanted our focus to be right when we began to worry. We don't get that right. We can all just get all excited and you can go to a, you know, a, a concert. It could be, they can be Christian or they can just call themselves Christian. They can be real religious or they can just have a little bit of religion and we can all get it and we get going. We don't know what we're praising and worshiping, but it's a kind of an excitement going on and we just get in there. People with numbers on their shirts and, you know, all kind of style, you know, we just get, but, 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 you know, and I wouldn't criticize that at all, but I simply would tell you as your pastor and bishop, we really, really, really need to make sure that we know who or what we're worshiping. Our focus of worship is so very vital and important. Amen. And so when Jesus hit town, when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, went from there to a carpenter shop, amen, and then began to astound the doctors with his wisdom and now they knew something was up with this guy. Amen. He wasn't just a normal guy. Amen. So, you know, they crucified him for that. Amen. But, but you see, he had planted some seeds in the hearts 
he had put some principles and some concepts and some thoughts into the very heart and soul of his disciples. Amen. So these disciples, these men continued the work that he had started. That's a good thing. That's what we all ought to do. If God continues, amen, and tarries his coming, amen, and we're still around and don't die while we are here, we need to get something from God, whether it's in an altar, amen, or in a bad situation where we can really, really, that's when we really pray the most. That's when we connect up with God in a lot of cases. But wherever we get it, we ought to get it. And then we need to not just get it for ourselves, but we need to be willing and ready to pass that on down to somebody else, the next generation. That's why I'm so delighted to have my son sitting here on the platform with me. That's why I went back specifically and hugged, amen, what I already had carried Kyla around here, amen. She needs to learn how to pray, and, and Pawpaw's a good one to teach her how to pray, that you do pray, amen, amen. But I made my way back, amen, and I got Jack. Amen. And Gracie and hugged them and told them I was so glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. We need to pass this down. If you have anything from God, amen, you ought to pass this on. That's what Jesus did. So his disciples had it. Amen. And Paul, amen, he, he got it by revelation, but his, he did agree with the disciples, amen, that walked with Jesus. Amen. Paul said, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of, this is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Amen. And that the spirit of God dwells in you. He's still dealing with this trend that Jesus said. He's still actually trying to get people to focus just a little bit. You just don't go out. I know that people walk in here, Brother Jay, and they see our worship style and they look around. Amen. They think, man, this is just a mess here. More than once, amen. I talk to people and say, man, what do you think about a church? You know, maybe even after they prayed through and, and was baptized. and because, Man, when I first came, I thought you folks were nuts. You know what I want to do, y'all? I want to, <laughs> once in a while, I see a, a, a clip or a shot of people in the world doing stuff, like partying and dancing and getting down, and it just hits my mind. It's the most ridiculous thing I've seen. They move and the way they, you know, they have every kind of dance that you can imagine. And I just look at that and I say, they think we're nuts. They think we look ridiculous. And they'll just, they'll just go out on the party, on the dance floor. They move all kinds of, so, so much that, so much it's embarrassing to look at them. But they, see, that's the world and the world thinks nothing about it. But walk in a house of worship and somebody, Brother Johnson, get a little bit excited and they think that's the craziest, most far out thing and it, almost, and it does, it, it, it drives people away. Well, guess what? If that's what drives people away, we're going to be driving a lot of folks away because we ain't going to stop. We're going to keep clapping our hands. We're going to keep making a joyful noise. We're going to shout with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So Paul said, amen, His spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Hallelujah. It, now, I've got I to gotta point this out. This same chapter, amen, where the Spirit dwells in us, and Paul's talking about it. Amen. 
Paul was telling the people in, of Corinth, and that's where it was, he said that they were the temple of God, and there were envyings. And st- I mean, what a contrast, y'all. I don't mean to stir up and start a whole new study here, but just want to throw that in. Envyings, strife, division, and I won't even go into all kind of other problems that they had. I mean, a bunch of other sins. Amen. Why was all of this wrong? What was all of this go- doing in the church? Amen. Why? Now, let me, let me just ask you this. Are, are you going to be ready to, 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 to answer? I mean, are, you, are, are we qualified to answer this question? Do we, what was happening here? The spirit of the Lord dwells in this place. It's in you, not out there somewhere. We don't have to find God. I mean, I'm talking about after we're born again, after we receive God's spirit. You know, we, we don't pray him down. We just pray him up. <laughs> Hallelujah. But yet, Hear all of this stuff Paul said. It's all kind of stuff going on in the church. How can that be? Amen. So are you ready to answer that question? Here it is right here. All sins. Remember what we're talking about. We're still talking about worship. All sin flows from replacing God as the central figure in our lives. That may be too simple for you. Maybe we just kind of zipped over your head. All right. This stone of foundation is the biggest one there. I'm talking about this is a rock. All sin. Hallelujah. Originates. It flows from replacing God as the central figure in our lives. In other words, if you put God first in your life, not your girlfriend, not video games, not preaching against girlfriends, not preaching against video games. I'm looking right down here at these guys. <laughs> you know, it's like the guy that was invited, you know, go out and invite people to the wedding feast. Well, this guy gave an excuse. He got married. He has a wife now. Nothing wrong with getting married. Went to another one. Oh, he bought a piece of land. He got to go look at nothing wrong with buying property. If you've got some money and you can afford it, go buy. Nothing wrong with that. Excuses. People, one bought a, a yoke of oxen or something. You can go buy an oxen. It's to be like going buying a new tractor now. You can go do that if you want to. Nothing wrong in the Bible about that. But if that gets in your way and comes between you and your creator... Remember who you got to put first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the wife, the tractor, the property, all that can be added to you. Let's just make sure we have them in the right order. We can't say, I'm going to get this marriage. I'm going to do this. I don't care what anybody fit, hair, lips, the devil. It's what I'm, no, you can't do that. You seek God first. That'll take care of itself. Salvation is no more or less than getting God back in his rightful place as the object of worship in our lives. That's what it is. I mean, that just gets right, that's when the rubber meets the road, that's right down to the grass, roots down even past that, down to the rock bed. Put God first in your life. Amen. Listen, folks, for centuries, church organizations, good folks, well-meaning people have studied 
Amen. And they've had conferences to try to figure out how to get people to stop sinning, stop serving the devil, and start obeying the word. We cannot have board meetings and write rules that will ever change the inward part of a man or a woman. Y'all get that? Amen. We can't figure this out. Hallelujah. We can't do it ourselves. A true change of heart cannot be ordered by the pastor or legislated by elders. We can lay out some guidelines and set some standards, which is all good and well. Amen. But the real thing that takes place with, between a man and, a God, and his God, it starts right there. You. Amen. Every man, every woman has to make that decision. Amen. And work that out with God. Amen. Listen, it will only happen, amen, when we get our attention on the Lord. Get him back in focus. Amen. He is the creator. Amen. Of this world, this universe. He put it all here. He's holding it all up. So he's the one, amen, that I need to seek. Listen, there's three musts in the book of John. Three musts, or there are have-tos. Amen. Number one, you must be born again. John 3, 7. Must. You have to do it. I mean, our society doesn't like that too much, that you have to, because, you know, people preach a message, all kind of, you know, it's, a, it's a catalog of messages, and a lot of it's just stuff you don't have to do. Amen. But it seems like, it seems like the theme of a lot of Christians today, uh, it's not what you do, it's what you don't have to do. You know, make it real easy. I just heard that one of our major denominations just read it on, on the uh, alert on my Fox News. Uh, major, major denomination, Christian denomination, just redefined what a marriage is. Just read just today. It's in there this morning. I just kind of looked through there. You know, read, oh, oh, so that means that they just took down the gate. They just opened the floodgate. And there's people out there waiting on, oh, that's what they did, so we'll just do it that way. No, there's a definition that God gave a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> Bad as we want it to be what we want it to be, it's between a man and a woman. <laughs> what it is, sorry to have to say that, but that's my job. Hallelujah. The, 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 number two, the number two thing out of this trio of must, amen, Jesus must be lifted up, John three fourteen. If I be lifted up, amen, got to be lifted up. And he, I know he was talking about, and he talked about being lifted up on the cross, amen, but that means more than just a physical lifting him up, amen. We lifting, we're lifting him up here in this service today. We did it in our praise and our worship. We lifted him up. We exalted him and, and gave him honor and praise. He said, you, you have to do that. And number three, you must worship in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. That's three things that we must do. Hallelujah. Listen, we cannot properly lift Jesus up without being born again. These things we want to do, we have to figure out how to do that. So you must do that. That's what Jesus said. If you can just kind of, you know, mingle these scriptures together that I just gave you, you can figure that out. Amen. You, you, you can't do that without a born again experience. Again, amen. Uh, experience. Amen. Got to have experience. Amen. Nor can we worship in spirit and truth unless we have first received the spirit. 
So, so where do we start? Well, we start with the plan of salvation. We repent of our sins in some altar somewhere. We get baptized in water in his name. We'll demonstrate that a little later here. And then we are filled with his spirit. That's where God lives from there on out. Here's two important points. You can't worship God without, number one, the proper object. And number two, without the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, now I'm, I have to qualify this because I know I got some Bible scholars out here and it's all right to have questions. It's all right to even disagree. It, it doesn't hurt my feelings. But, but, but that doesn't mean your worship is not noticed. God took notice. Think about it. Amen. Of what Cornelius was doing. But, but his worship was in ignorance and it needed the proper object of worship. He knew there was a God somewhere out there. He was feeling his inner person was feeling, amen, that, that, that he needed to communicate and needed to make contact with his creator. You know, he was smart enough than most people are, religious or non-religious. It's just got to be more than this. And, you know, we're just born in this world and then we die and then there's, no, no. And, and so people feel and have thoughts that are deeper than what you can see with the natural eye. Well, this is where Cornelius was, amen, and God did notice it. He noticed it so much that he, he sent an angel down and said, you know, you want to know these things, amen. We, we, you know, God said, I heard your prayers, and, and he sent me, but, uh, you know, the Bible said even the angels, they desire to look into it. They don't know about this Holy Ghost experience. They were created to worship the Lord and do things for God. And, and they, they, they surround us when we're in worship and when we're in prayer. But they don't know about the experience and this baptism of the Holy Ghost. And this messenger angel came and said, here's what God told me to do, to tell you, to send for Peter. Amen. He's over by the seashore over here. Peter, remember, had the keys to the kingdom. He said, Peter will tell you what you need to do. So, so his worship was noticed, amen. It just needed an adjustment, amen. And that's the reason Peter was sent, to reveal him the proper, or to him, the proper object, amen, of worship. It's important to God that we don't get confused who we're praying to. It's important, it ought to be important to us, amen. Listen, Listen, you don't want to be connected to any church or religious denomination, no matter how religious they are, that neglects the Holy Ghost. That's what Peter preached to him. In fact, while Peter was preaching to Cornelius, the Bible said, while he yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. I hope in your hearing the word, amen. There's some folks that come in the presence of God. They can come in an apostolic church and uh, they don't hear it. I don't know what blocks that out. Amen. Some folks are overjoyed and said, this is what I've been looking for all of my life. Other folks in the same church, maybe even on the same pew, they're offended by it. It's an offense to them. So that's between that person and God. But, but don't be connected up with religion and church denominations that ne neglect this message. Amen. Amen. If people neglect the Holy Ghost or discount it or play it down, listen, that's not a church. That's an Amway meeting. It's something that makes a church. It's something that, that we have to add to it here and there to, to, to make it what it ought to be, a church. Amen. It has to be, amen, an object, 
Amen. And boy, I tell you, I'm so thrilled that God revealed to us who, amen, an object is. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, listen, we have roots. Now, we're quiet here, and that's okay. But I'd like for us, and, and of course, worship is, is, a, is another level beyond praise. All right? I love both. All right? Hallelujah. And so you don't have to just be running the aisles to worship. It, to me, it's a deeper moving, amen, of God's spirit and presence on us. But I, I want us to do something, amen, here at some point in this service. Amen. But we have our roots in Abraham all the way back in the Old Testament. Guess what happened to him? The very first thing we hear about Abraham, he was called out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. Why? He was, he was called out of what? Let me tell you, if you don't have very long, to, far to read in that passage of Scripture in Genesis, he was called out of idolatry. It was a land of idols. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It, it, it's not more faith that we need, folks. Amen. We, we don't need more faith. Hallelujah. It's the right object for our faith. That really counts. I, I, I feel like there's folks. Well, hey, I, I, I won't get off track. I can see myself taking off in a bunch of different directions here. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I, at least I need to say this. You can have a mountain of faith, but if the central figure of all that faith is not correct, then you may end up following a Jim Jones or somebody. Some of you younger folks don't know who Jim Jones was. He was a false prophet. He was a Pentecostal style, speaking in tongues kind of a guy, charismatic. Don't tell me those folks didn't have faith. And I know that we're saved by faith through, you know, by grace through faith. I understand that. Well, what happened? Their object of affection, their the object of worship, somehow because of his personality and style and good looks and class, it just moved away from God and it moved to him. And when he served up the Kool-Aid with all the poison in it, guess what they did? They drank it down. And I don't forget how many of them, hundreds it was, hundreds it was, it, I forget. Anyway, a lot of them. So you can't tell me they didn't have faith. They had faith. And you can't tell me they were not good. People, oh, they're just so good. What's that got to do with anything? It's like the elderly lady. I forget who it was. You get revelations of all kind of people. Elderly lady, I said, those people were so innocent. It was a dog. She said, there ain't nobody innocent. <laughs> It's just an old lady. No, it ain't nobody innocent. <laughs> and I had to believe her. You know, no. And no, my, nobody's good. That's what Jesus said. Nobody's good but my father. That was his flesh speaking. Amen. So, so but, but as good as human beings can be, there were good folks, faithful people, people who loved, people who had kids and grandkids, people who wept when they prayed but they had the wrong object of affection. Yeah. Folks, we better, get our, we better learn who God is as much as we can in the Scripture. Hallelujah. We better get our focus on Him. 
we better sell out to him. We better seek him first. Hallelujah. My whole point today is, if we don't get focused on Jesus Christ, any of us could be easily swept into this, some kind of false doctrine. Ye shall know the truth. And the, this is the truth. And the truth shall make you free. When I start thinking about a list of things it would, would set me free from, the first thing is false doctrine. Hallelujah. David understood this when he wrote, teach me thy way. This is Psalms 86 and 11. He said, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear. And this part stands out to me, thy name. It's a good thing to get to know his name. I said, it's a good thing to know his name. Amen. Sister Denise, we're going to put you under the water and we're going to use his name. And it's going to do some things. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know what his name is. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus. Listen, this, these little scriptures, it's a little short scripture. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. And look, look how it identifies him. The author and finisher of our faith. I just start, that's enough right there. I don't even need to read. He, he's, he's the author and finisher. You ever think about an author, what he does? I hadn't read a Louis in a, in a long time, Brother Green. My wife takes one out and she's, I just, I just hadn't time, had time to get it. I just get caught up in a Louis L'Amour book. If you've never read Louis L'Amour, man, just good, clean, but it's just descriptive and it'll just, it's westerns, it's far out westerns. He's riding his horse and, and uh, getting in fights and scraps with people. He always wins, though. <laughs> he, he's, the, he's the author. He's penning that story. And when one of those sackets, he gets wounded, and usually it's low down on the, above the hip, and it's a flesh wound, but he's lost a lot of blood, and he's holed up in a cave somewhere. And the outlaws that shot him, that want to kill him and take him out, he somehow snuggled in and nestled into the leaves and back in and they walked right past him. You know what happens? And, you know, and these are mean dudes. They have big guns and, and, and they want to take him out and they, they won't even... It won't even take them a split second to decide to put a gun on him and pull the trigger. They done decided that. That's the kind of people they are. But, but Brother Ruck, I know the author of that book. And I've never read the back of it, but I know that, that, that the author's penning that. And I know that old Sackett, somehow or other, is going to pull through. They're not going to find him. He may get in another shootout. They may get very close. He may have to roll over into the little stream and carry him down and over the waterfall. I don't know what he's got to go through. But the author, I know what he writes about. I know how he writes. He's not going to let the outlaws get his man. And he's going to get out of there. He may be ragged and beaten and half starved to death. I, you know, I understand all that. It makes, it, it, it makes us keep on reading. It keeps our interest. But he's going to make it through. And not only that, when he gets well, he's going to strap his gun back on. He's going to get on that done horse. 
Not dumb horse, a dun. <laughs> Maybe dumb, I don't know. And he's going to ride back into that wilderness, back into that desert, and he's going to hunt them down one by one. You know, in the manly part, and some, sometimes just the human part, but especially the man in us says, you know what, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to watch him in that, in that theater of my mind that I've created. I'm in that place with him. He's going to beat the daylights out of them. He's going to make them crawl before it's over for what they did to him or his wife, or his children. You know, people build that up. Well, you know, that's what I see right here. We may get in a pinch. We may be down and out. We may be backslidden in our heart, stuck back in a cave somewhere. It looks like the enemy's gonna win. He said, the Bible said he is the author and finisher of our faith. He didn't just start this, but he's gonna finish it. Hallelujah. He's got the pen in his hand. He's writing all of this. He knows the beginning to the end. He didn't only just start it, but he's going to end it. And, and I'm special to him. I'm one of his children. He loves me. And, and the Bible tells us that, he, you know, he didn't... He, He's not just going to start something that he can't finish. And so if we'll just stay close to him, if we'll just stay connected to him, there is no way that we're going to lose. No way. Amen. The Bible said he is the first and the last. He's the beginning. We didn't know who he is, folks. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. Let me tell you something. I'm not here to, I'm not here to cross swords with any religion. But that's why I have such a big problem with this, this Trinitarian belief, this three persons in a Godhead. You can't be first and last and be second. You can't be number two God and be alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending. You can't, it won't work. Can't be that. Isaiah 45 and 18. Isaiah 45 and 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He's, he did all of this. He created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. Amen. He said, I am the Lord and there is none else. Isaiah 45 and 20. We haven't done this in a while. I just took one or two out of there and just said, we just throw this in. We're going to talk about worship and creating and making sure the object of our worship is proper and right. Amen. And when I pray a prayer, I don't want it just to circle around out there somewhere, not knowing where to go. I don't have to pray to this in a while and that. We, we laugh about that and we may smile and chuckle. That's exactly what is being taught. Hallelujah. Isaiah 45 and 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. There ain't nobody here but me. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. Amen. He's got all of this. Listen, if we would kill some holy cows and break down some man-made altars that we have been bowing to, 
I, I just simply believe that God, amen, would honor us with great blessings and power. And all of this is not, has nothing to do with holiness and righteousness, has nothing to do with, no, no, no. It's just getting the right focus on who we're talking to and who's talking to us and dealing with us. It's just nothing like, it's just nothing like walking in a, in a prayer place like an altar. I, I use this, but I, I pray other places, but, 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 but we'll just use this since we're all here. It's nothing like walking in to this place and when nobody's here, but you sense a presence. And when you know the scriptures and, and you've formed a relationship with him, then you have no problem figuring out who he is. You don't have to like, well, I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or I don't know if this is Jesus or I don't know if this is the Father or I don't know if this is the devil or I don't know. No, no, no. You feel that presence, Sister Carol, and we're familiar with it. We immediately know and sense that it's our Heavenly Father. Amen. And we just say, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Of course, when you say Jesus, you're saying Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus said. When you see me, Philip, you see the Father. See the Father, you see me. You know, just split it all up. Or sometimes we just say, oh, Holy Ghost, thank you for visiting with us today. You're still talking about Jesus? You're still talking about the Father? Amen. Same God just manifests himself in different manifestations. And we feel his presence. Ooh. You know, Joshua one time was about to go into the promised land and he was walking down by the river and he saw this man. And of course, that was back before Holy Ghost days, Brother Ruck. And he asked the man, he said, are you, are you of God or the devil? You know which one he was. Of course, it was the angel of the Lord. But it was a good thing that Joshua asked. Maybe we ought to sometimes. Amen. But, but when you get familiar with him, I think there's folks who like, you know, and of course they look to elders and look to us. To decide, that's nothing wrong. People are growing in God and people start acting funny and doing things and people like look, immediately look to me or look to some of you because what they're trying to figure out now, is that a demon in there or is that a, you know, is that a passel of devils or what is that? The only way that can come is that you get close enough to God and a good enough, close enough relationship with him that immediately you are going to know the difference. All it is. And so that's why another reason why it's so very important that we know who God is. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell this, so I don't know for who it's for. I'm very reluctant to even tell it. Some of you, I know, Donald, you've heard it and many of you others, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost scared to do this, but there's somebody here that probably needs this. Maybe somebody don't believe in demonic worship and demonic power, amen, that's going on around us. I was young, just felt my calling. Well, actually, I'd. I just started my calling. I felt it when I was just a kid. But I, we were in an altar service. I was sitting under a pastor named Buford Sims. I was working on a job. My wife and I, my wife worked for the school board, and I worked for Louisiana or Georgia Pacific. And, uh, man, we were just pouring ourselves into the church. Revival broke out, and I'm praying for this real tall guy. And, and had two or three other guys. There was people on the platform praying. It was people down in the altars praying. It was just a real breakout Holy Ghost move. Let me tell you, when God gets to moving, Demons get mad and get stirred up. They don't like what's going on. 
Amen. And I remember, of course, tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost fell on all them. They began to speak with tongues. That's, that's just one of the evidence. It is, it's not the Holy Ghost, but it's the evidence that you do have the Holy Ghost. What you look for, that's a book of Acts thing. I remember praying to this guy, Brother Chris. Amen. And, I, and, I, and he began to speak in tongues. It was just kind of like, you know, it was just some kind of tongue coming forth. Well, that's the, that's the sign. The guy had his eyes closed. Began to speak in a, in a language that we didn't understand. Well, he kind of had me, uh, okay. And I remember looking down. I was kind of up on the platform. And I remember looking down across, and my pastor was praying for some other people. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to report, and then I wanted to actually find out for sure if, they, if that was it, because that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And I remember that this guy was just so peaceful, Brother Johnson, just speaking in tongues, eyes closed. And, I, and I, got, I made eye contact with my pastor, and I said, he's got the Holy Ghost. He's speaking in tongues. Never will forget. I can see it so clear. You see those vivid things you don't ever forget? I said, my pastor went like this. All he did, he didn't say a word. He couldn't have, it was, music was going, a lot of people shouting and praising and praying through. And, but, but all he did, and now remember, the demon-possessed guy had his eyes closed, speaking in tongues. He's a sly fox. He will deceive you if you let him. But when my bishop, my pastor did this, this guy's eyes popped open. I'm right at him. Man, I'm glad. I'm glad I had the Holy Ghost. Scary, scary situation. Eyes rolled back. Went wild. Went nuts. Oh, I thought he was speaking. He was. But the enemy will slip right in. He'll even, somebody said, well, I heard of somebody speaking in tongues and they were cursing and blaspheming God in Japanese or Chinese or, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that. You know, there's a few counterfeit $20 bills drifting around. Y'all go to the store and you watch them take your money out and mark it with that little thing. That's because there are counterfeits somewhere. There are counter, there's counterfeit everything that's worth anything. So, so I don't argue with people who, who know some situation where somebody talked in tongues and, and it was of the devil and all of that. That doesn't mean that all tongues are of the devil. I just threw that in there for somebody. You know what? The first thing on this deception, I'm going to get back on praise. Just I'm almost done. Amen. The first thing the enemy can do, if he can deceive you, this is the elementary stuff here. If he can fool you enough that you don't believe in this kind of stuff, you're in serious trouble right now because that's how he wins people. He deceives. It's a spirit of deception in the last days. That's how he does the Godhead and all. It really doesn't matter. If he can't just come against you and tell you that it is of the devil, then he will just discount its value. Oh, it's good that you prayed through. It's good that you got baptized, but it's not necessary. Oh, Really? What about all those scriptures in the Bible that commands us to do these things? What about all this one God stuff? Amen. That's throughout. We, it, listen, and then here's the last one. This is, could go on our, on our outreach stuff here. Amen. Amen. Oh, so you think I'm going to be lost over this? The next thing is they're going to judge the daylights out of you. Because they're going to claim that you're judging. And so you have to do that indirectly. No, I don't believe that you're going to be lost over it. That's not my job. <laughs> 
I believe I would be lost if I ignored all these scriptures. You want to get, get them off of your back? They're dying for you to judge them where they can, you know, blast you for that. But they're really the one that's doing the judgment. And I'm off track. But I just felt like telling that story. The enemy will deceive you in all of this stuff. And after a while, you can just relax and just let it all go by. But God's coming back after people that are called by his name. Called, y'all are quiet as a church mouse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let, let, let's learn from history. Israel's greatest sin was not adultery. And was, some of that went on. Fornication, lewdness, drunkenness, and the whole list you can name. That, that wasn't their problem, even though that was around. That was not Israel's problem when they were backsliding back and forth in and out and they would go into captivity and God would set them free after a while. But, but, but it, you know, we look at that, but that's the shallow part. That's the, that's the results of how, what they did or didn't do. But that was not the real problem. Israel's greatest sin was forsaking the worship of the one true and living God. And they, they forsook that for idols and other concepts. And that's the root problem. That's what caused them to get in trouble over and over and over again. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Let's all stand together right now. I'm almost done and some help will come. Listen, when you forsake God as the object, then it gives birth to immorality, dishonesty, evil, unfaithfulness, and then that's when you have marital problems, you have relationship, and then it just goes from there. But it all starts in not knowing who to worship. Amen. Hallelujah. That's where it starts. So the bottom line is, if I could get folks coming into this church, Brother Green, walking in here knowing where the focus is, man, it's on Jesus. His name is Jesus. That's what they said, the angel said, when he was born in a manger. Amen. Or before, actually, before he was born. We're going to name him Jesus. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And by the way, he didn't need no help. And if we come into here knowing that, I, I, I think the windows of heaven would burst open. I think some of those prayers that we're praying over and over and over again and we just seem to not be able to get through. I believe when we just begin to worship the proper object of worship. You know, we, we try to sort through things. We're like, well, I got I to take care of that. I got to take care of that. I got I to do this. I got to quit doing that. I got to get victory. No, no. I think if we just not worry about all of that stuff that we have to give up, maybe a little Maybe little sins and little lusts and little this and that that we're fighting. Through. You know, all that's true. But could we like take the main focus off of that? You know what I want? I don't know. I don't want you just to be saved. I want that. That's that. Obviously, that's you know the whole purpose of getting into church. Hopefully, but but I want you to. I want you to have joy. I want you to enjoy your salvation while you're on this earth. It's just not a, you know, uh, you know, when we die and, uh, you know, an afterlife and then we'll sit on a cloud and play a harp or 
we'll walk on streets. You know, that's all part of it. Maybe not the cloud part, but we can have joy. Like the writer said, unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. All those things that you got hanging on you that you're being guilty over and wrestling with and every time you walk in the church like oh my god I you know listen listen let's just begin to focus on our god on our creator on our friend that sticks closer than a brother and then the peace will come and the joy will come and the revival will come and our witness will get better and stronger and more powerful my lord i feel like speaking some things we like saying some things today. Hallelujah. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. I read something. I'm just going to read it to you. Just, it was just powerful. I just copied it last night. I said, this is, our people need to hear this. Amen. Amen. Under this, under this worship title, and we'll talk about what is worship. Is it? No, it's not cheap. Hallelujah. It costs something. It costs the blood of the Lamb. It costs Him His life. Hallelujah. But as you know, in the Old Testament, they offered up sacrifices. So there was thousands of gallons of blood. Don't want to be too gory and ugly, but, but it's true. But this blood came from the sacrifices in the outer, outer court of the temple or even before that, the tabernacle, but when they built the temple, amen, in Jerusalem, outer court, animals, lambs, bullocks, even down to turtle doves and, you know, heifers and, and they, this blood was, it was a bloody, nasty, ugly situation. But this sacrifice blood, amen, it was washed with water from the wells that, and it was washed down. And they tell me, and I've never been there, but this the hill on that mountain was terraced. You ever see a waterfall? Amen. Terraced. You ever see a garden that was terraced? Vineyards. They do that in the mountain hill country. But all of this blood, we're talking about worship, folks. This blood from the sacrifice offering that people had brought in, poor people, average people, that's all they had, and they brought it to the priest, and the Levites would cut the throat of that lamb or that animal and lay it on the altar, and they would burn that and do all go through that ritual. But there was blood everywhere, but it was washed with water. But it had to go somewhere. So it went on that hillside or that mountainside of, of, it was, that was terraced, Amen. But on these terraces is where the incense was grown. Remember the incense that was placed, amen, on the altar that's just before you go through into the Holy of Holies. And it was in the holy place, an altar of incense, and it was burned there. Amen. But just think, my whole point is this, that it was nourished. That water ran down that terrace and that incense, which is a plant, was growing there. The Levites and the priests would get that and they would eventually end up, after they crushed it and did all that they did, but it ended up in the holy place. And the sweet smell 
of that incense would move around in the form of smoke and enter into the Holy of Holies or the holiest of holies. And it was, the Bible said it was a sweet smelling savor to God. We ought to pay for our worship. We ought to give something to our worship. We ought to, we ought to strain our voice at worship. We ought to be tired when church is over. Amen. When worship service ends. Amen. Amen. In a Pentecostal service. Hallelujah. Amen. But this incense was a product of the nourishment of the blood sacrifices washed with water. Something's blood was washed down with the water. We won't go into it with the water, but it's all significant. And it went down and it helped this plant to grow that eventually ended up in the holy place. Now, we don't have the shofar around here. Uh, somewhere around. Shofar. Remember the horn we blow? Amen. Now, don't, I won't worry about doing it right now. But but see, that that's uh, sometimes we use that here. Amen. In a praise or worship service. But the Hebrews, I just want to throw this in while we're at it. The Hebrews used this horn of the ram also in worship. They had, they had seven, seven different pitches of sound at various times of worship. They all meant something. The shofar came, now think about it, all, all connected in. Amen. Amen. That shofar came from an animal that had been sacrificed on this altar. So when you hear the sound of the shofar, amen, it didn't come cheap. Amen, something gave their life. Something gave their blood. You know, we feel the presence of the Lord. We feel the goosebumps, that inner feeling, that spirit. And sometimes it's a wind. Hallelujah. Blowing through this place. Amen. There's prophets, apostles, pastors, preachers. They've lost their lives preaching this gospel. Hallelujah. Y'all hearing me? Amen. It got here where we can have freedom because somebody lost their blood and lost their life. Amen. So the next time we get a hand up in worship or praise, we ought to say somebody came ahead of us. Now, I don't remember the days. I don't remember. But my mom and dad came in in the era when people used to, used to blast the Holy Rollers, the Pentecostals. You know, you had the Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Lutheran. But, you know, it was only about 100 years ago, not more more. Not much past 100 years ago. Now, that isn't when it started, but in, in our country where it really broke out, I believe there's always been people filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe there's always been people, amen, uh, speaking tongues and pro I understand. But, but the movement really broke out again about 100 years ago. And they were persecuted. They were ridiculed. Amen. And so a price has been paid to get us to this point right here. And so when we get our voice and our hands up, we ought to know, amen, that this sweet-smelling savor to the Lord didn't come cheap. It didn't come easy. And therefore, we need to make, really, really make sure
that we're focused on the right one. Hallelujah. Anybody know who he is in this house? Anybody glad you know who he is? Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. I will give an appeal again. If somebody's here and they don't know what name they called over you. If you're, you, they told you what name, but you're a little in doubt. You don't know for sure. Amen. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was called over you in baptism. Let somebody know around here and we'll work out. Amen. A way to get you baptized. Sister Denise, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled about you. Amen. Being in that water again. Amen. You and Brother Jose are very special to me. Hallelujah. I told Brother Jose one day, amen, at his house when he lived in Westminster, I stopped by and stopped by on Saturday and, uh, you know, just intrude on their day on Saturday for a little while. And he would look at me like, you know, like, uh, you know, I mean, why you stop? I said, Brother Jose, I just, I just stopped by because I, you know, I was going to make sure you don't forget me. And he said, he said, he said, oh, pastor, I never forget you. <laughs> and I, and I don't think he will. And I won't forget him either. Amen. Sister Denise, this is the biblical. This is the right thing. This is the biblical thing to do. Amen. And we're going to do it in the right name. Amen. Whatever you do, the Bible said in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is certainly a deed. And uh, just in case, I think, I think your sins have been remitted. Uh, but what's going to happen? There's going to be some peace. There's going to be some peace of mind. It's going to help you in this life because you've come back to do this baptism thing again. This is a burial and a resurrection. Amen. This is a type of Jesus Christ going in the grave. Hallelujah. Amen. Sister Denise, upon the profession of your faith, and in obedience to the great holy word of the Lord, we now baptize you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all of your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise and worship right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That's right, just go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and worship him. Sit, Denise. Get all you oh, need from the Lord yeah. right now. Oh, Lord, you are good. Yeah, hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, people, people from every nation and town, from generation to generation, we worship. Come on, that's it.
gets out of here, let me ask you to do one thing. I hate to make this announcement. I really hate to make this announcement. Here's what we need. I feel like the Spirit's just urging me to do this. This coming week, how many I get, how many can, I'm going to do the, every day this week, we need to fast. Need somebody fasting? How many are fast on Monday? Did we just get a hand or two? If it's just one or two, how many will do a Tuesday? Just fast all day Tuesday. Wednesday, get a hand on Wednesday. If you don't now, if you don't raise your hand, just pick a day. Somebody, how about Thursday? Somebody fast on Thursday. Come on, if we need some, I'll fast on Thursday. Okay, I'll fast. There's one here. How about Friday? And how about Saturday? Friday and Saturday. Okay. Listen, listen. Let's let's do this. Let's do this for this upcoming week. And then there's Easter. And uh, let's see what God will do, all right? Amen. Amen. Let's keep worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's make sure the proper object of our worship is right and good and proper.